What's up, guys? Four Corners, episode 12. It's your boy, Ray. It's uh, a two-man game today. It's myself, Solar Rays on Twitter. You can find us at four, Pod Four Corners on Twitter. Finally, my guest, my pick-and-roll partner, Peter since 88 How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Excited for the season. Good, good, good. We've got a really in-depth Eastern Conference breakdown for you today. We're going to go through each division in alphabetical order. Uh, it's a full roster today, so we want to get right into it. Peter, what is the first team we're going to be looking at? So the Boston Celtics, they have had a pretty good run the last handful of years. Uh, ever since the trade with Brooklyn that netted them the number three overall pick to get Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum has never missed the playoffs in his career. So he's the star of the team. Their starting backcourt is uh, Dennis Schroeder, who they mm-hmm. got in the bargain bin, cheap contract. Marcus Smart, good defender. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the, their two best players on the wing. Looks like they're going to play kind of small then because they got him listed as Brown is the small forward and Tatum's the forward. And then big man in the middle, Robert Williams, just got a nice new contract. Uh, A lot of talent, a lot of youth, nobody over 30 in that starting lineup. They bring back Al Horford and out goes Kemba Walker, who had a rough time in Boston, struggled with injuries. Uh, Good guy, though. I mean, they didn't say anything bad about him. It wasn't like the team didn't click. It was just, unfortunately, because of the injuries, they decided to move on from Kemba. They I think bring everyone in, likes Kemba, you yeah. know, as a guy, as a person. I think right. He's never been like them. a problem in the locker room or anything. Uh, they bring yeah. in Josh Richardson, who really struggled his one year in Dallas. Uh, they still got Grant Williams, role player. Uh, Aaron Nesmith, second-year player, their first-round pick from last year. They still have Romeo Lankford, who hasn't really done much his first two years in the league. Uh, they bring back Ennis Cantor, who kind of a funny, you know, he went from Portland to Boston, back to Portland, and now he's back in Boston. Yeah. And they picked up Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was probably familiar with people that will listen to this show. Uh, Certainly. Not, not yeah. projected to be in the rotation at the moment. Uh, but the big news is actually off the court for the Celtics, their longtime GM Danny Ainge stepped down and taking his job was the coach that he hired, Brad Stevens. So Brad now moves from the sideline to the front office and he hires Ime Udoka, who is going to be a first-time head coach, uh, played for Greg Popovich, coached uh, under Greg Popovich. So he's he's from the Popovich coaching tree. And everybody's raving about him so far. Uh Opinions are all over the place on the Celtics. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people think they could be as high as three in the East. It wouldn't shock me if that happened. But to me, it's just not quite enough oomph up front for me. I do like Brown and Tatum. You know, Schroeder, to me, he is who he is. He's a good player, but he's not going to be like a top 10 point guard. Smart's a good defender. Um, You know, if this team meshes, they could definitely give people problems. I could even see them winning a round or two in the East. but. I just don't see them breaking through that that top two universally, you know, uh, considered top two of Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Can I be a little honest with you? Mm-hmm. I think they might be in the plan. Ooh, wow. That's pretty hot take. Uh, 
I mean, I'm looking at a lot of teams. What's, what's your that main concern growing. here? I think it's just a lack of. I mean, a finding that sort of. I think their weakness is obviously the center position, and you're looking at. I mean, is Ern is Enes Kander projecting to be their consistent backup big? Can't, I mean, Robert Williams I, has a lot of potential, of course. Can you count him on for an entire season? Can you count on him for? I mean, we're not talking about the playoffs yet, but you know, I, I think when I'm looking at that roster, you know, the thing they were looking for when they signed Kemba Walker was that sort of uh, distributing leadership in terms of being the guy who's going to set the table for everyone else. And they've got a lot of guys who are going to be able to chip in there. Um, but I think that those two things, um, limitations at the point guard spot and at the center position are going to keep them not, I don't think they'll be bad, you know, but I think they're going to be vulnerable to a number of teams, you know, you're looking at uh, some of the better teams in the league that have elite big men that uh, are really going to give them problems. And then, so can you think of a, you know, I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit with this. Uh, you started off with the, the Jason Tatum trade. Is that the biggest fleece this decade? Oh, man. I mean, it's got to be up there putting me on the spot with that one. I'm sure there's there's some good ones. I mean, it might be the biggest fleece of my life, my, my lifetime. And I, I'm, I'm 27. I was born in 1994. I don't think I've seen... A more a more lopsided in the long run trade than that I think one. that I think it's harder now to talk about trades than ever before because as we've seen, there's a lot of trades that teams don't want to make but they have to. So I get your question, and I think that that's probably the top of the list of like trades for where both teams thought they were getting something good, right? Like Brooklyn made that trade thinking Pierce and Garnett are gonna put them over the hump. It we wasn't like three. Right. It wasn't like they were making right. a deal because a star wanted out. You know, you look at a team like Oklahoma City, they've had to trade Russell Westbrook and Paul George because those guys wanted out. So did they get right. a good return on that? You know, to to be determined, right? The Rockets but traded Harden. What did they get back? They got back Oladipo, who was there for like two minutes. And, you know. Some first. Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't. Right. It's it's all right. You know, how how you view a trade is like you can't always determine it right away. But no, you're right. The the Celtics definitely made out like bandits on that deal. And uh, you know, that's probably like goes to the top of the list of what Danny Age accomplished after like it's probably second after, you know, winning his championship. Mm-hmm. Uh do you see a big jump for Jason Tatum coming up this season? I don't I, mostly just I, because I don't either. I, I think he's already really good. Like he's, uh, I don't remember if he made 13 mall NBA or if he just missed it, but I mean, he's definitely an all-star in the East. You know, he's definitely, I mean, probably all-star in the West too. Uh, for, for me, it's not that I necessarily need him to show me more and become even better for me. He's kind of at that stage. Jokic was a year or two ago, which is, all right, you're really good. Are you going to be a leader? Like who is the heartbeat of this team. It's probably still Marcus smart, right? Like he's the heart and soul. He's kind of like the Draymond, but he's a guard of their team. So, you know, I think the interesting dynamic here 
you know, it's easy to just look at talent and move on and be like, ah, just not quite there. But to me, an interesting problem they're going to have is Schroeder's a good player. He's got a lot of confidence, but he's on he a one-year deal, right? So he's in a contract mm-hmm. year again where it's like the Celtics were kind of stuck at point guard once they let Kemba go. Now they got a guy who, yeah, he's a little younger and he's healthier, but Schroeder has never been a pure point guard. So ideally, they would have somebody who's there to set up Brown and Tatum but he's more like, I want to get mine first. And then if the play is, you know, not going my way, now I'll try to dish it. So that's just something I got to keep my eye on is how is the chemistry going to be between all those guys? And I think, yeah, there's definitely, I think there's some risk there in terms of it's easier, in my opinion, for guys to do that, to be wanting to give of themselves and of their numbers for the greater good of the team when you have a team that's, competing for a championship. And I guess my big question is, if it's not looking that way, does this locker room stick together down the stretch? Uh, You're talking about new leadership, new coaching, and I think everyone likes Udoka. Um, But, you know, is does it feel like Danny Ainge was abandoning a sinking ship, so to speak, uh, in, in terms of their trajectory and where they can go in terms of how good they can be even going forward. And if that's not where they want it to be, you know, do players start looking out for themselves a little bit more? I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, do you want to, do you have anything to add or do you want to get to the the next team? Uh, yeah, I'll just real quick and then we keep it moving. I just think that, you know, I don't put them in the contender category but I don't think they're in a bad position either. I, I don't see this roster being a championship roster anytime soon. I do think they're like one or two pieces away. So maybe they have enough if they can develop some of those young guys to become trade chips. But I don't see like if everything goes right here, I don't quite think they're good enough as currently constructed. But they do have – if you're a Celtics fan, you're pretty optimistic. Like we're, you we're hanging around. Yeah, if things go well, good. yeah, mm-hmm. we're like one or two moves away. So uh, next team is the Brooklyn Nets. They have James Harden, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant, and LaMarcus Aldridge listed as their starters. Uh, one notable omission there, of course, Kyrie Irving. Uh, mm-hmm. For the purpose of this podcast, let's just go ahead and assume that he's not going to be there. So... You know, if he comes back, obviously that changes their team. But we'll just go with quite a conversation in and of yeah. itself. Yeah, it is. But that'll take us way too long if we go down that road. So we're going to try not to work with what ifs here and just say he's not here for now. Uh, off the bench, their big free agent signing was Patty Mills, who had played most of his career with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Blake Griffin to come back. They signed Paul Millsap. They signed James Johnson. And they drafted Cam Thomas from LSU, a guy that can really score the ball, uh, went off in Summer League. And they still got Nick Claxton, who's a good young big man for them. Uh, and they got rid of DeAndre Jordan. Um, so Brooklyn, a lot of team, a lot of people think they're still the favorites. And I have to agree with that. I mean, you have Kevin Durant, who, in my opinion, is the best player in the world. And I don't think that's really much of a controversy because Giannis himself called Kevin Durant, the best player in the world. So if he's healthy, then you definitely have a chance. James Harden proved last year that he can uh, 
change his game to sort of be more of the pure point guard and set everybody up. And their offense was humming last year. Joe Harris, good shooter, uh, tries hard on defense, but not a lockdown guy. He's very similar to like JJ Redick. Uh, and Bruce Brown was like the perfect fifth guy for them. I mean, he's like, he's like a little bit shorter version of Tory Craig, right? Uh, right. Really good defender, gets all the hustle plays, gets offensive rebounds. And they the, need that. Yeah, and the ceiling on what kind of role player he is is how good is the three-point stroke. I think he was like mid-30s last year, you know, respectable, but mm-hmm. definitely not, not knocked down. And then the big man rotation is fascinating, right? Because Aldridge retires last year because of the medical issue. Then he unretires, yes. so now he's back. Blake Griffin, I thought, gave them really good minutes in the playoffs. Uh, Millsap maybe can hide a little better on this team. So they got some decent depth, but they don't really have anybody that scares you. Uh, I don't think they really need anything crazy from their big guys, though. If they, if you know, if this team's healthy, they're going to be the favorites going into the playoffs. I mean, it's definitely another team that I think of, kind of like the Celtics, where if you have a dominant big man, you probably have an advantage to press there. But then you're looking everywhere else, and I think you have a lot of function and form and uh, balance across that roster. So it should be interesting to see. You know, I, I also have them. You know, in my top two finishing uh, in the league, even without Kyrie Irving, I think they have all the talent they need to do that. And uh, you'd never know. I mean, they can only be so bad. Yeah. So, Ray, the biggest question I have for this team is what what kind of shape are they in when they get to the playoffs? Because Mm -hmm. I think so often when people look back at the previous year, there's always like one thing you can point to, maybe why it went wrong. And, you know, clearly Kyrie hurt his ankle and couldn't finish the playoff series. And then Harden pulled his hammy in game one, was out for most of the rest of the series, and then comes back super early. And you could tell, like, if it was regular season, he wouldn't have played. And he really didn't have any burst, right? He was just kind of on one leg out there. And they Mm -hmm. still almost won. And so what the narrative turned into was they almost beat the Bucks, basically with only one superstar. And while I'm not going to discount that as being a true statement, I actually just want to point out something about James Harden that I feel like he gets a pass on. And that is the fact that if you look at his entire career, what happens to him in the playoffs? He often wears down. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that he got hurt, You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's injury prone because he's usually played most of the games. But it's happened Mm -hmm. a lot of times to him where he wears down in the playoffs and he's not getting any younger. So for me, the most important thing is health and are how hard do Durant and Harden have to work now to get to the playoffs? You know, I don't think they're going to go ball to the walls in the regular season. I just don't think it would make sense because you need those two guys to be at their best to win four rounds in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's, in theory, I think that's the right idea. I think that's the expectation that they're going to go into the, the season with. The question is, you know, I look a lot, I look at a lot of that roster, like, for example, like I said earlier, their big man depth. They have a number of guys, but how many minutes could all those guys play in total? You know, I don't see too many guys on the roster who are going to be able to just eat up minutes. Like you're, you're, you just need someone who can play 
30 minutes tonight and it's a Wednesday on a back-to-back. And like, I, I'm wondering who that's going to be. And if you don't have, you know, who can kind of take over for James on nights that he wants to sit, who can, I mean, can James lead the team by himself on nights that Kevin sits and still, you know, they have that extra juice for the playoffs. I think that'll be really interesting. And I, I think it brings them a lot closer to being mortal as a team. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard Less to discount them. for error, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to knock them down at this point and say, Oh, I don't think they're going to be contender. I don't think they're going to be one of the best teams in the league, but there are certainly more failure points, less margin for error, as you said, going forward. All right. So, yeah, to me, they're the favorites. Um, assuming health, I, I expect them to come out of the East because even though they didn't have great defense last year, they proved in the playoffs that they can turn that part on. You know, the Bucks kind of struggled with their offense. It was still kind of clunky, even though mm-hmm. they were able to get by that series. I don't really see the Bucks being significantly better on offense this year, but I still think they're good enough to beat the Nets again. I mean, because they already beat them. So, right. If, if the Nets are healthy, I'm picking the Nets. But, of course, it's a long season. We'll see how we get there. All right. The next team in the Atlantic Division, the New York Knickerbockers, coached by Tom Thibodeau, who is probably the most hardcore coach in the league, right? I mean, this guy wants to win every game at all costs. He wants to win preseason games. So I commend him for his tenacity and enthusiasm. But of course. historically, his teams are great in the regular season and not so great in the playoffs. Uh, Nuggets fans might be familiar with this style with George Carl. Um, not necessarily Carl's fault. I mean, didn't always have the better team. But I think with, with a coach like Thibodeau, you know, what he does is he raises your floor, right? So he he gets the most out of guys. But, you know, this is a take I've had for years. A coach can mm-hmm. only raise you so many levels, right? So if you have a C-plus roster, a coach can make you a B-plus team. But he can't make you a championship contender if you have a C roster. So let's go over right. the next roster. So sure. They bring in Kemba Walker, who is from New York. So this is like a homecoming for him. That's pretty exciting. They bring in Evan Fournier, who has had a very strange career because he's had some some seasons where he's put up some good numbers in Orlando. The Celtics Foreman traded, yeah. yeah. The Celtics traded for him last year, and he didn't really do much for them. Uh, they still have R.J. Barrett going into his third year in the league. Uh, good young player, keeps working hard, keeps getting better. Uh, Julius Randle, who had a career year. I mean, one most improved player, made 13 All-NBA. He's a really good player. Uh, uh, if he's your best player, I don't really know where you're going as a franchise. And then Mitchell Robinson, who struggled with injuries, but a young, bouncy athletic center. You know, And the, thing, the one thing that does really stand out to me about the Knicks, what they have going for them, is they have tremendous depth. So they bring back Derrick Rose, who looked really good last year. Uh, Alec Burks, who was good for them. Emmanuel Quickly, who looked really good as a rookie. Obi Toppin, who looked better as a second-year player. And they mm-hmm. bring back Taj Gibson, who's one of the oldest players in the NBA, but Tibbs loves Taj. He can't quit him. Player slash coach slash player, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they draft Quentin Grimes, who is like 
three and D, you know, he's going to be a good role player type guy, but Tibbs hates rookies. So I doubt he'll be in the rotation to start. Kevin Knox is still in this roster. I'm pretty sure he's out with Tibbs. And they also have New Orleans Noel as a backup big. Um, so last year, the Knicks surprised a lot of people. They finished with the four seed in the Eastern Conference. They played the Hawks in the first round, and it was not close. The Hawks won in five. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to be honest, I wasn't surprised at all. I was like, the Knicks, you know, they worked hard, but how is this team going to score in the playoffs? And, you know, now they added Walker and they added Fournier, so they've got some more punch. But I just don't feel like this team is a top four roster in the East. I don't see how they... They'll probably make the playoffs, but I don't see how they win a round. I see them winning 40 games and with a high potential for blowing a tire, as it were, as a franchise to some extent where you're kind of in a similar position, not to draw everything back to the Celtics, but um, you're looking at a roster and you've got a bunch of guys who may... You know, it's a, it's a challenging position, I think, for a coach and for a culture and for a locker room as a whole to feel like uh, you always want to feel like you're on the way up, that you're mm-hmm. elevating as a team and you're continuing to push for an ultimate goal. And I think that allows teams to, you know, come through a lot of adversity. Thinking about what I just said, that I expect this team to win 40 games and probably be a first round exit. Do you, how well is Tibbs able to keep both the locker room and ownership happy with the product on the floor given those limitations knowing that maybe your team has a ceiling obviously he's a great motivator and I think that's going to be you know it it could turn out that they continue to surprise Uh, but it's hard to not feel like at that at some point that the uh the the Cinderella spell is going to come off and that they're going to realize their limitations to some extent. Uh, do, do you feel like a simpler way? Do you? Well, do you I see think, them as, do you see them in the playoffs? I do. I, I think they'll, they'll be top eight for sure. Uh, I'm not going to guarantee them top six though, because there's some other teams that really intrigue me sort of in that middle of the East. Um, but I think we also have to talk about, the Knicks view themselves on the rise. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, you know, I know Thibs isn't worried about this kind of stuff because he's just worried about coaching. But I do think that the front office is looking at their roster going, okay, we're in a good spot, but we still want to upgrade, right? And they're not looking at like major cap space or anything, but I think Mm -hmm. through trades, you know, they're like a team now that everybody brings up as, you know, what if Damian Lillard acts out? What if Carl Anthony Towns asks out, you know, they wanted to put themselves in position of, okay, we've got some guys that we can work with the numbers. You know, we might probably be willing to give up like RJ Barrett or whoever else we need to, to get a better player like that. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at. And I think their strategy was kind of like, let's try to be competent so that guys will want to come here instead of being a laughing stock and just rebuilding every year. So, you know, every team's got to operate differently. And 
New York is, they're trying to operate like a big market franchise, so to speak. And they've, they've really struck out on free agency for the most part this century. I mean, yeah, they got Stoudemire instead of LeBron. So that didn't work out. Um, you know, they traded for Melo, but that, I wouldn't really call that working out either. I mean, he won one playoff series in New York. So I, I think that they are intriguing because a lot of players now at least take them seriously and kind of have their eye on them. So they're not a threat to win the title this year, but it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go in. For sure. For sure. There's, there's a lot of interesting things that can happen. I see them kind of towards the bottom of the league, but I think that there's also a, because there's a high likelihood of some changes being made in the locker room and in the roster. Uh, do you want to keep it moving? Yeah. All right. Let's go to Philadelphia, the 76ers. Uh, oh, this should be fun. Second year for Doc Rivers. Um, Philadelphia had a fantastic regular season last year. They finished with the best record in the East ahead of Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And they did not make the conference finals because Trey Young had other plans. So let's go over their roster. So their point guard is still slated to be Ben Simmons, who apparently showed up. We don't know if he's going to play or not. I'm going to assume he's going to play because, like most people, I think Ben likes money. So I'm assuming he's going to play. Uh, I think he plays. I don't think he shoots. (laughs) Right. Seth Curry, a really good shooter next to him. They bring back Danny Green, who – Danny Green, smart player, good vet, getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Easily the worst of their five starters. Then you got Tobias Harris, who's rock solid. I mean, he gets gets a lot of heat because maybe he doesn't quite live up to his contract. I mean, he's in that tier of, like, just below all-star level player, right? Like, he's clearly an above-average player. You know, if he's your second best player, that's probably not good enough. But when Ben Simmons is rolling, he's their third best player, and the Sixers are really good. And then, of course, in the middle, they got Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid you know, who was the leading MVP candidate before he got hurt last year. I'll be honest about that. I mean, he's he's great. He's the best two-way center in basketball. Um, and then on the bench, they got Shake Milton. Got to love that name. Uh, Furkin Korkmaz. They got Matthias Thibel, who a lot of people think is the best defensive guard in the NBA. Uh, his offense is lacking, though, so he doesn't quite instill fear in people. Uh, mm-hmm. They pick up Georges Niang, and they lost Dwight Howard and replaced him with Andre Drummond, which to me is major yikes. Uh, being the backup center, though, it is not as important, so it's not like they're counting on him for 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, and then they still got Tyrese Maxey, who had a really nice season. They drafted Jaden Springer and Charles Bassey. Um, yeah, the Sixers, they're in a fascinating position, right? Because it's so hard to make predictions on this team because it just seems like Ben Simmons just doesn't want to be there. And how can you really blame him? Right. right? I mean, he's he struggled. The fans booed him. And he, every indication he gave was that he didn't want to come back. Now he's back. It's awkward. And I do think that they will trade him before the trade deadline. So we can't really know how to judge this team until that trade goes through. And I think it's pretty clear to you and me and everybody else that whatever they trade him for needs to be a dynamic guard because this team just doesn't have that, right? I mean, 
as good as Joel Embiid is, when the game slows down in the playoffs, it's a lot easier to take a player like him away, right? I mean, he's still going to get his numbers, right. but he's a big that isn't a great passer. So you double him, now he passes, and then what do you have? Uh, Tobias Harris isn't creating offense. Seth Curry, he, he can get hot for a quarter, but he's not going to win you a series, right? He's um, not your offensive engine, for sure. Yeah, I mean... If you if you're telling me everything goes right for this team this year, the only guy I could see like making a major leap would be Tyrese Maxey. I really like his game. Is he going to get that opportunity? We'll see. I just think that you know Rivers is a solid coach, and they have such good defense that I still think they'll make the playoffs. But there's just too many questions unanswered with Ben Simmons right now to to make any kind of real prediction on what this team is going to look like come April. I have a hard time seeing them being better than they were last year. And just right. because, I mean, I know it's um, it's possible that they bring in someone new in place of Ben Simmons. But I think even in that scenario, you're going to be giving up not nothing. I mean, if you, uh, the best case scenario is maybe Damian Lillard, somebody like that, somebody of that caliber. And then I don't think it's going to be a one-to-one Simmons for Damian Lillard trade, if it does happen. That would be a home run uh, for the Sixers, right? If they get Lillard. It would. And say you have to give up, I don't know, Dame. And, do they have picks? I'm sure I'm they got sure. some. But nothing but super high. Whatever assets you can, is that also a championship caliber team? I'm not sure. Because then you're kind of looking at more of a defensive uh, sort of wing depth issue. I mean, I don't know if Matisse is, I mean, can he guard Kevin Durant? Maybe. Nobody can guard Kevin Durant. Of course, but if you had to guard Kevin Durant, you want Ben, you want ben Simmons, you want somebody of that caliber to throw at a guy like that, or even uh, even a James Harden. So it's, it's got a, I see them as a, uh, not a, tier one team but like a tier two team a team that's really going to be really good but i don't see them also in that conversation with uh with the nets with the bucks as teams that are like very likely to come out of the east ray i gotta ask you before we move on from the sixers sure how have you felt about them in sort of these last three to four years like did they ever strike you as a team as like they're definitely a contender or were they always just kind of short for you because to me the best team they had was when they had Jimmy Butler. So when they moved on from him, I was like, well, now you just took a step back again. I've like Ben Simmons does a lot of good things on the basketball court, but his lack of improvement through these first four years kind of explained why Sixers fans are so frustrated with him. It's like, dude, we're not asking you to be the best player on the team. We have Joel Embiid. He's a top five player in the NBA, arguably. Right. But you need to be like a top 25 player. And there's too many nights when he just disappears. So even before last year's playoff flameout, I just never really viewed them as like a team that can win four rounds. I'm right there with you in the sense that I saw them at their best or what I felt like was their best when they had basically four all-star caliber players uh, when they did have Jimmy Butler. And I think not, I think when you, the challenge with a team with the process as a whole 
is once you give up on that and you lose that kind of patience that they were having and collecting all of those assets and now you're spending and now you're making trades and you're trading for stars and that's really fun and tantalizing and it can produce some talented rosters but if you lose you miss out on those guys it can leave you in a position where you feel like you know maybe your window is closing faster than you realize and i think it's one of those things where this is a league where nothing is forever where you can draft the player of joel Embiid's caliber and if you mishandle it uh, bad things can happen you know you might not get the results the outcomes that you were hoping for and i think uh this is a team that's like a number of teams in the East, I think at this point, looking down the, uh, looking forward to their mortality, not looking forward, of course, but looking at their mortality in a way that they haven't before, uh, where they're going to, they're going to have to keep moving. They have to keep moving forward. They have to keep doing their best to put together the best rosters they can because their time, it's not going to get any easier next year or the year after the year. Right. You know, Ben Simmons doesn't make any less money next year. So yeah. Uh, interesting team, interesting fan base. Uh, I'm, ex- I'm interested to see what happens with them for sure. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, people that have been paying close attention, I really wasn't all that surprised what happened against the Hawks. I mean, I was pretty surprised that they blew the series, but when Mm -hmm. you look at their struggles in the fourth quarter, that's been something that's been happening with them for years that they've struggled with their crunch time offense. And, you know, when you want to be taken seriously as a championship contender, those are questions that you have to have answered of like, okay, who are our best guys and what's our go-to play. And if Ben Simmons is your second best player and he's just going to be standing in the dunker spot in the fourth quarter, that's not that's just not the best use of resources to me because what are you doing? You're putting the ball in Seth Curry's hands. Um, you know, so to me, right. they looked the best when they had Jimmy Butler, but once he left, it's like it's so hard to go to a big guy down the stretch of games with the way the rules are and how fast mm-hmm. the game is in today's NBA because Joel's just gonna get doubled. And he still does have a lot of good fourth quarters where he gets fouled and stuff, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? He's not like a clear out. LeBron Luca type player. He's he needs space to operate. And right. you know, they they did do better. Like they had a good regular season record because they added shooters. So there's a lot of good parts of the team, but a lot of things to still figure out. All right. Let's go to the last team in the Atlantic Division. Actually, I did want to touch on one thing. We're kind of talking about like Joel Embiid and Ben together. Mm. Um you know, I, I imagine if you wanted to build an offense around Joel, it would be like what the Orlando Magic did back in the day with with uh, with Dwight, where you just have him, and yeah. I don't want to say four point guards, but four elite shooters. And it's it's really difficult because you have Ben Simmons, who I think right. you know it's there are so many arguments that you can make that he's a star player, that he has the the physique, the talent, the potential, the skill with the ball. knife. Sure, can do so many things on the court, but when you're saying, "Hey, uh, the best thing you can do right now for us is play the short corner," that's not that's not a star player. No, <laughs> you know that's that's a role player, uh, and you know, and he can be the most elite role player of all time. But I think that's just going to be 
you know, is that going to be enough for them? Um, so yeah, Ray, feel free. So what you're saying is they just need Ben Simmons to be Hito Turkoglu and it'll be all good. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing for them would be him taking, you know, I think Giannis kind of looks at Kevin Durant as a guy who should he should model himself after. You know, he's looking at their frame and kind of the skills that he wants to add to his game. I think Ben should be looking to Giannis. And, hmm. and looking at how humble he's been about his pursuit of bettering himself and, and not thinking that he is this uh, guy who is beyond learning or growing or developing. I think, especially talking about his shot, and I know it's tough to go through that process to say, yeah, I don't, because you're going to look silly. You know, the next, the first time he shoots an air ball on a corner three in the game, he might get laughed at a little bit. He might show up on Shaq and the Fool. But, you know, that that's, could just be what it takes for him. He doesn't have to be as good as Hito Turkwu shooting. <laughs> but yeah. he just has to be. Oh, he, If he was okay, average, league average, he would be invaluable for them, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting comparison because... If if I gotta give Ben Simmons credit, like he he at least knows that he's not a good outside shooter. He usually yes. does attack, like Giannis, right? Who doesn't settle often and attacks. The difference is the mentality, right? Giannis isn't afraid to go to the free throw line, even though he's had his documented struggles there. Ben stopped attacking in the playoffs because he's afraid to go to the free throw line. So I don't know right. if he can fix that, but that's what he needs to fix. Uh, and then he'll be fine. He really would. He'd be an all-star. He'd be. He could be one of the greatest players of all time. Right. All right. So the one more team, team in this division, Atlantic Division, Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Uh, still got Nick Nurse as coach. Uh, won a championship with them a couple years ago. A lot of people think Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. Uh, I definitely think he's in the conversation. He's definitely a top five coach. Uh, mm-hmm. They do lose their heart and soul. Kyle Lowry heads on to Miami. Uh, they get back Dragic in the trade. Dragic getting a little long in the tooth, but really high IQ player. I feel like those guys usually tend to age pretty well. He's not going to do anything that's like, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, right. Fred Van Vliet still here. OG Ananobi, really solid player. Pascal Siakam, really talented. Uh, and then they have Ken Birch listed as their starting center, which he I don't think he's ever really been a starting center in the NBA. That's kind of concerning. He's starting. On the bench, on the bench they center. got Man- Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent. I like Gary Trent's game. Uh, their first-round draft pick, Scotty Barnes, who's uh, sort of a Swiss Army knife small forward. The question on him is going to be, how does his shot develop? Uh, they also got Precious Achua back in the trade from Miami. Uh, really athletic big guy, super raw. And they have Chris Boucher, who I've always liked. He's... <laughs> Ray, you may you may take offense to this, but he's like a much better okay. version of Bull Bull. He's like what we want Bull to be. Uh, uh, the biggest problem I, with Boucher is he's just not quite thick enough to actually play center like a meaningful amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Raptors are like one of the most mysterious teams in the NBA to me because if you look at their top three guys, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam, all there when they won their championship, uh, I think Ananubi might have been hurt for that run. He was still a young guy. but So they got players with experience. They got good players. Dragic, obviously, a good player with experience. Other than that, it's a lot of question marks. 
good coach. I just can't figure this team out. I don't know what direction they want to go in. If, if this team goes balls to the wall and tries to make the playoffs, I feel, feel pretty confident that they can do that. Um, I just don't know if that's actually the plan this year. Or, you know, there was rumblings that Siakam wasn't happy there last year. I think he right. might have got suspended for something. But I have no read on this team, to be honest with you. I'm pretty high on them in the sense that I think while I consider them, if I was uh, probably like a third-tier team in the East, I think it's coming off of a year where they really didn't have a lot of continuity in terms of where they were playing and playing in Florida. And that's that's a big challenge for them. And I think they are a team that has, while they don't have this uh, central star player that you might expect from other teams. They've got a lot of assets. They've, uh, Masai Ujiri is a guy who's always going to be on the lookout for the next disgruntled star. And I think they have, they have as good as a package as anyone can have to go for a player like a Ben Simmons if he wanted out or like a Kyrie Irving if he wanted out or who knows, you know, who's going to be unhappy right. in a couple of months. So, um, in combination with the fact that I think they've got a maybe not elite but very broad level and relatively deep level of talent, uh, I think they're going to be. If I had to give them a superlative, it would be most likely to surprise. Okay. You know, so they're you're a team that, them. relative to expectations, yeah. And yeah. I don't think people are thinking about the Raptors much, especially after last season. And I think, you know, they've got good players. They've got talent. So let me ask you this. A lot of people are predicting breakout year for OG Ananobi. How, how, how do you view his game and what do you see from him? Because I always thought he was good, but I don't really see him as, like, being an all-star. I think if there is any Raptor that can break out, it's going to be him. Uh, just given yeah. what opportunities been presented in the sense that they're going to be looking for kind of offensive leadership on the wing and maybe maybe pascal can pick up some of his uh co kawaii form but i think that was next to Kawhi. <laughs> so uh, maybe even a two-man game if he can sort of handle the ball more and do more initiating you know i think there's room for it and there is not a lot of pressure for them because no one's saying, oh, yeah, we need to win a title right now. But we right. are saying that, hey, or at least they're saying that, hey, we want to be good. We want to play basketball. We're finally at home. We're finally in front of our home crowd, our fans. We want to give it our all and prove, you know, I think up and down that roster that we're not, you know, they're one of those teams that I think can continually uh, ethos themselves as the league thinks we're frauds. So let's go give it to them. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm high on the Raptors. They'll be a fun team to watch. So, all right, let's move on to the Central Division. Starting with Actually, the... do you want to take a quick break before we do that? Yeah, absolutely. 